Do we understand the depth of God's grace? Let's find out as we consider God's patience with Corinth. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Zach Griffin. With me, as always, is Logan Bruce. How are you doing, brother? Man. That's You're okay. As God, lets, as good as God lets me. I've, I've had a crazy busy week, but uh, like we talked about beforehand, this is why we just, this is why I have this time where we can just, I can just relax and just encourage, yeah. you encourage me and I'm encouraging myself and this is just a good time. And But it's been, yeah, I just, I literally right before this video started to go off the phone with the garage door repair man. So yeah, that's all, that's all everyone needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I will say about that too. Like well, we, we took this big long break and I, I really miss doing this a lot because it's, it's so encouraging for me, you know, to sit down yeah. and, and have biblical conversation with a good friend. Yes. Uh, I would encourage others maybe this week or the rest of this week, maybe next week, <laughs> maybe that's a challenge. Sit down with somebody and have a biblical discussion with them. You'll feel a lot better for doing so. Yeah. But today what we're going to be talking about is, uh, really, the Corinthian church, we're going to sort of deviate from that a little bit, but we're talking about grace, and if we really understand what grace is um, and the depth and the length of grace, but before we talk about that specifically, Logan, what do you think of when you think about, like, the Corinthians, the, the, the Corinthian church and the Bible? Yeah. Uh, what are some things that you think, maybe particularly with the first book of Corinthians, but uh, what, what do you think when you think Corinthians? Um, you know, it's, it, it's, they're offered more instruction than any church that has, that has letters written to them. Um, so that, you know, there's, there's a lot given to them. So I've always thought that they're probably more like the modern church than any other church at that time, just because of how many internal problems they had. And it's because a lot of it is a lot of both the, the both books, first and second Corinthians are internal problems. The church is, is dealing with. It's not yeah. necessarily like how you're dealing with, with this church, but so much of fix yourself first. And I think that's a good lesson we could take away from the, from all this. Yeah. I mean, there's only, there's only one other church that's given two letters yep. and it's the Thessalonians, but both of those books are, very small yeah. <laughs> consider. I mean, there's not a second Romans. There's not a second Galatians and, and all those books are uh, considerably smaller. I mean, Romans is, you know, 16 chapters, uh, but he doesn't follow up and say, all right, here's some more stuff for you. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's, there's a particular relationship that Paul has with them. And I do want to mention this. A lot of people don't know that it seems like, there are actually four letters to Corinth. And I don't want that to challenge people's faith because they're going to be like, all right, so you're, you're saying there's four letters. Where are the other two? Uh, but if we look in both um, uh, first and second Corinthians, there are some, some hints, right? In, in first Corinthians chapter five and verse nine, we learned that, you know, Paul says in first Corinthians that I previously wrote to you. So he wrote them a letter before 1 Corinthians. Uh, we can be certain of that. Um, 
And then we learn about this painful visit that he has in second Corinthians chapter two. Uh, and he learns there's this third letter that's written there. And it's sort of hinted at, at second uh, Corinthians chapter two um, and verse three. And then he writes second Corinthians. So there, there's four books, uh, you know, from what we gather within the text. And so there's this extensive relationship that they have with Paul. Uh, and I think if there's any indication as to why that's the case, it's because, you know, first Corinthians is talking all about like all of these instructions that you're talking, you, you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of division, there's sexual immorality, there's jealousies, there's organizational issues. I mean, they've got a, lot of problems i think that's pretty pretty much what people think when they think about the corinthians that's a church with a lot of problems right uh there's there's sin you know there's tolerating sin there's you know we have the love chapter there and they need that because i mean paul writes it because they need it right yeah <laughs> right right uh, yeah. so yet i mean it's it's interesting that that's our picture of Corinth. This is what not to be almost. Uh, and yet that's where we find ourselves. Oftentimes you, you said that, you know, the modern day church is probably most like Corinth. Uh, yeah. And yet at the same time, God still had grace upon this church. Correct. Right. So if we look at first Corinthians chapter one, Verses four through nine. I, I do want to, there, there's going to be a few passages that we read today. I know we don't usually read a whole lot. We just talk about verses. But... We don't, we don't need the Bible in this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, lengthy passages of reading though, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, fair enough. Probably. Right. So, but I do want to read this. This is uh, from the new American standard version. It says, um, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, uh, which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you are called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So they have all of these problems. Like this is not what we want to be. And, and, and Paul writes this because they were, they weren't listening. I mean, if we go back to, uh, in the beginning of chapter five, he says, I previously wrote to you not to, you know, fellowship, not to be entertained, sexual immorality. You know, this is a problem that they have. Uh, and so there's a lot of other problems they have. But even though they had all of that, they still belonged to God. So. I don't know. Logan, I want to ask your thoughts on that. Why, why is it that God has not withdrawn his grace from them, even though they have all of this stuff that they have to work on? Yeah. Well, it's because of, uh, you know, it's because of who Christ is. You know, you look at what they're going through in first Corinthians 
And you, if you compare it back to the Israelites, God had little to no tolerance for the Israelites. I mean, there was, they were on thin ice the entire time. I mean, pretty much from before they left Egypt to the time of Jesus, they, they were always on thin ice um, because they could not figure it out. And that's a human problem. That's not an Israelite problem. That's not a, a cultural problem. That is a human problem that we want to do what we want to do, not what God wants us to do. So we see that surface here with the Corinthians. And instead of the, under the old law, where they have to rely on sacrifices every year, and you know that can only do so much here and th under this covenant, Jesus is there communing with God and saying, look, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that that's what's going on with us today, but specifically right here with the church in Corinth. Um, and I think that based on this passage we've just read and based on other passages throughout scripture, that a lot of times God even has more grace for us than other people do, which it's a whole nother episode, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, that's kind of my view of it is that we've got this, now we've got a different mediator. Right. And that mediator is, and maybe I'm getting way ahead of you here. And I'm sorry if I am. No, you're good. But that mediator is what's coming in and saying, that's, that, that's where the grace of God is coming from. Not from anything that they're doing or not doing. Right. You know, it, the new covenant is by, um, I think back on, um, back on Monday, released a bonus episode talking about the spirit and the law or the spirit and the letter and the comparison between the old covenant and the new covenant. Right. And there's a reason why the old covenant is called the letter and the new covenant is, is referred to as the spirit. And because there's a relationship that, that comes now because of what Christ has done. Uh, God was, it seemed I, now. I, I think I might disagree with you a little bit oh. on the, uh, you know, how God looked at those in the Old Testament. I think He was incredibly patient with them. No, He was. He yeah. was. But at the same time, like we see it. I, I don't know. I just see the patience ratcheted up a notch in the New Testament yeah. and in the new for and for us. I'm not saying just for these people, but I'm saying just in the new law in general, the patience gets turned up a dial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, and one example on the patience, I will say one example on the patience in the Old Testament. is when Josiah is king, they have Passover and the scripture says that the Passover hadn't been kept like that since the period of the judges. So that means that even David uh, and Solomon didn't participate in the Passover in the, in the way that it was supposed to be done. Uh, sure. If that statement is, is, you know, accurate concerning them as well. Uh, and not just from the divided kingdom. Forward. Sure. Um, but uh, yes, we are in a, a new covenant uh, with, with Christ and this grace is, is a gift. But I, I do want to mention though, that it is possible to fall from God's grace. Hebrews chapter three and verse 12 tells, tells us, <laughs> uh, take care, brethren, that there not be any, one of you, an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. 
And then that's where he goes in verse 13. Therefore, we need to encourage each other every day. You know, that's, that's what we're all about, you know, encouragement and building each other up. There's a reason why we, we are all about encouragement. Uh, it's so that we don't fall back into the deceitfulness of sin. Right. That we don't, because when we do, when we turn away from God, we do fall from his grace. We do, we do uh, withdraw ourselves from his grace. Um, and so it's, it's interesting that you have a church that has so much wrong with it. And yet Paul begins this letter talking about the grace that is given to them. Mm-hmm. So there must be some level of, some level of faith that's still there with the Corinthians, even though yeah. they don't have everything perfect. And I think that what you hit on in Hebrews is perfect because um, it, it, the Hebrew author there is very um, <clears throat> does a very good job of saying exactly you know what it takes, I guess, to fall away. Uh, and it's an evil, unbelieving heart. And that can sometimes be unintentional, but more often than not, it's an intentional thing. Um, it's a, you know what, this is just not, I don't, I just don't believe this anymore. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not a woke up and that's how I feel, but it's a, uh, it's a thought process. Um, and I think that that's, that rings true with the church in Corinth that, you know, they, their hearts are still pointed towards God, even if they've fallen backward away from where he wants them and where yeah. he obviously wants all his uh, children to be. Um, but their hearts are still pointed in the right direction. If that makes yeah. sense. I think a great example of, of that being true is in the beginning of chapter 11, Paul commends them for keeping the traditions and things that they're supposed to do. Yeah. Like they're still taking the Lord's supper, even though it's not really like it's, it's not done the right way. And he has to say, you know, when you come together, it's not really the Lord's supper that you're taking yeah. because it's become this, this feast for you and some people aren't taking it and you don't have the right heart behind it. But at the same time, there is this commendation to them that, you know, you're at least holding on to the tradition. You're coming together. You're assembling together. There is still worship that's happening, even though it's not organized and they're all shouting over each other and stuff. They still come together for worship, worship of of God. Um, And they still take the Lord's supper, even though it's not, done correctly you know so there is still this intent to follow after god even though they don't have everything perfect yes and and the attempt is there yeah go ahead i'm sorry no go ahead no i was just saying the attempt is there and the uh, the ultimate desire to do what's right is there even if it's fallen away and that's what i think we see in hebrews is a what the author is saying there is a blatant desire to say i'm not going to do that Sure. I, th- I think that's true, but it's also, I think, a, a good other word for that is forsake. Uh, it may not be this decision that says, all right, I'm going to turn away from God. But by our actions and our attitude towards other things, it's kind of like the soil that gets, you know, the seed that's thrown among the thorns. It, it doesn't decide, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, it's that's not sure. like the decision, you know. I think well, I'm going to turn away and die. Yeah. It's, and I don't, it's they're choked out by the world. And uh, so right. I, I think that idea of well, and I, forsaking can be there too. 
Yeah, and I, 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 I can I understand what you're saying there. I think that that there's that it, yeah, it's not like a it's not always a conscious decision. I guess is is the way I need to put, phrase it. That it's not always I will. I woke up today and I decided I'm not going to follow God, or I woke up today and uh, this just doesn't jive with me anymore, whatever. But it's it's more along the lines of, hey, I you know this has slowly happened, but now over here, I, I'm where I'm at. I just don't believe anymore. Um, there is a show on Hulu, and it was on History Channel for a long time called Vikings. Do you ever watch that, Zach? No, no, I never watched it. Okay, it is not for children. <laughs> um, probably I probably shouldn't even be admitting that I ever watched it, but <clears throat> there's a character in it. Um, who was a Christian monk in England and he's captured by the Vikings. They don't kill him. They capture him and he spends like decades with them. And he eventually pretty much comes around to believing in Odin and believing in Thor, their gods. And, um, and that's kind of an interesting example of, you know, there's, there's this, um, it's not an overnight thing. You know, when we are like those thorns, when those thorns come around us um, and, and we're pressed down and pressed down and pressed down, there's no, there's no uh, crop that can survive that. I will say I have watched far enough that that Christian comes back to Jesus, but um, <laughs> it, it, that doesn't really matter for this point. So anyway, but that's, that's, that's kind of to your point that those thorns that, you know, they come after you. And even if it's not a, I woke up today, it's not a flash of a camera um, style change but rather a slow process it can go either way yeah so you can fall from god's grace uh Uh you can uh, right yeah to summarize that point and you know and i think of another passage is um you know hebrews chapter 10 i guess it's like 23 and following that whole section you know and he talks about the, you know, coming together for the assembly. And that's important uh, because we need to think about, you know, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not forsaking the assembly, you know, but, but coming together and encouraging one another, exhorting one another as we see the day drawing near. But then he says, for if we go on sinning deliberately, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So if we, if we in our hearts turn from God and it doesn't, I mean, a lot of times it happens on that slow pace, but if we choose in any way to, to turn from the living God and, and we fall away from him, there isn't a sacrifice for sins any, any longer. You, you do fall from grace. That is a possibility. And I want to emphasize that point because there's a lot of people that don't think you can fall from grace. Um, but the Bible tells us that that's true, that you can. Uh, well, it just, you know, we talk about grace when you're starting to accept it, when you're starting to come to Jesus, that God's always extending grace, but that it's our choice to accept that grace or not. And that choice rings true for the rest of your life. Just because you've chosen to accept it does not mean that you can't reject it again. Yeah. You can, when I'm, when, when I'm for, when I'm holding hands with my daughter, she can choose to continue to hold my hand 
or continue or let go. And obviously holding hands with me is a poor example of God's grace, but that's, that's kind of how it is holding hands with our father. I can choose to let go of his hand anytime I want. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a good summary of what grace is. God doesn't ever stop extending his hand to us. Yes. I just Um, wanted to make that clear. Yeah. Um, And so when we talk about, maybe, maybe this is not the best way to say, why did God not withdraw his grace from them? Um, you know, be, I mean, there is a sense where we can talk about it in that kind of sense. Sure. You know, in Romans chapter one, God gave them up to these other things. So we can use that sort of terminology, but it was their decision to give up on God first. Correct. Um, and so that's when we, when we no longer have grace, it's because we've stepped away from grace. Uh, but I guess this is the reason why I want to talk about Corinth specifically, because it seems like they are, they are stepping away uh, in, in some ways, in some capacity. You know, Paul, he mentions that, I, like, again, in chapter five, I hate to, like, beat this point over and over and over. But he says, I wrote to you specifically not to do this. And here you are, you're still doing it. <laughs> you know, I told you not to do this and, and to inter- entertain sexual immorality. I mean, that's huge. Um, and so he has to write to them again on this. And sexual immorality, you know, adultery, uh, we, I, I think there are varying levels of, of sin. A lot of people don't agree with that idea. I mean, all, all sin is going to lead you away from God. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, sin in any nature, you know, is, is the reason why we need the grace of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And without it, you know, a little white lie uh, will get us into hell the same as if we murder someone uh, because we need the blood of Jesus. But I will say that there are, there are sins that are talked about in a very specific and very, uh, they're, they're in a heightened nature and sexual morality is one of those things. Uh, you know, God talks about his own relationship with Israel by terms of adultery. Uh, you know, Paul in that same chapter, or I think it might've been in a following chapter talking about how sexual morality is different than all other sins because it, you sin against your own body. Uh, and so there, there is some like separate things, but, uh, not to dwell on that too much. There, there is also an unforgivable sin. Yeah, we could t- talk about that some other time. <laughs> uh, but, but, um, but, but they're they're tolerating they're tolerating these things and they're tolerating the divisions and the jealousy and all of that. Yeah. And yet, Paul doesn't come to them and say listen, you don't have God's grace anymore. He tells them that they need to repent of those things and to change and make things right. But he doesn't say, hey, you don't have God's grace anymore. And I've said the word perfect a couple times. <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that's one of the issues uh, and, and how we can kind of understand, all right, they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they still have God's grace. Do you remember the passage that tells us to be perfect for your father in heaven is perfect? 
Uh, <laughs> do you? No, it's in the scriptures. <laughs> um, it's in the Bible. Just take right. my word for it. It's in the Bible. Uh, be holy for, for, you know, as God is holy. You Matthew know? 5, 48. Yeah. So but Jesus said it. And Jesus said it. So there's, there's a call for perfection. Yeah. However, can we meet that? Some might say, maybe. Some might say, absolutely not. Uh, but is that perfection a requirement for God's grace? No, it's not. And so that's why we can see that the, the Corinthians still have God's grace is because perfection is not a requirement for salvation. Um, how many times is God's grace called a gift in the New Testament? I, I, I don't know, but it's a lot. <laughs> you know, I think a, a specific example is uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The wages of sin is death. That's what you earn, a wage. You earn death, but the free gift of God is salvation in Jesus Christ, is our, our eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's a gift. This is not something you earn. You know, Christmas on Christmas Day when you were a child, and maybe even now, uh, do you... Do you merit the gifts that you have on Christmas? I don't. Yeah. We, we, tell, we tell kids, and I don't know who, anyone who's ever really done it before. We tell kids like Santa Claus, you know, he gives coal to bad children <laughs> or naughty children. If you're naughty or nice. But I don't know any parent that has like just said, you're getting just coal and you get nothing else. Yeah, one year, the closest I know of is actually my mother, which makes sense. And she gave us coal. It was a little bag of coal, but it was bubblegum. That happened to us, too. And it was the first thing we got. And it was like the only thing it displayed. And so it was like, yeah, it said coal on the front. <laughs> right. And so like it seemed like, yeah, because yeah, that happened to me, too. Uh, me and my it's brother. Like that's, we got a note from Santa Claus saying that yeah. we weren't very nice. And that's like the closest I think most parents can get to doing that. But that that is an example of God's love. Yeah. Because, you know, Jesus used the example of how many of you, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake, et cetera, et cetera. How much right. does God love you? It's hard for God. It's hard for parents. And you and I know this as parents. It's hard to not want to give everything it doesn't matter how bad you are we want to give you everything but we need you to be good <laughs> yeah so anyway but i think maybe another passage to kind of help us understand this a little bit more uh you know first john chapter one and verse seven is one i like to turn to a lot if we walk in the light so there's a conditional statement if we walk in the light yeah as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from, from all sins. So you got two directions, right? There's moving closer to God, and there's moving away from God. There's a narrow path, and there's a, uh, there's a wide path. 
you got two choices. Um, does walking in the light mean that we're going to be perfect? No, because then he goes on to say in verse nine, uh, I love how it's actually said in verses eight, nine, and 10. There are those that say they have no sin, like I'm perfect. There are those that say I have not sinned. So like they, they cover up the things that they say, well, that's not really sin. And then there's those that confess their sins. And really, those are the people that, that rely on Jesus. They depend on Jesus. They're not depending on themselves saying, I haven't sinned. Uh, you know, I, I have no sin. And then those that turn to God and put it in his hands. And really, they're asking for that grace. Um, Correct. And so walking in the light doesn't even mean that we are, we are perfect and we live perfectly. Uh, and so maybe some of the passage that we passages that we've talked about can kind of help us to see a little bit. And we're going to we're going to in a minute talk about some of the churches in Revelation uh, and talk about some more misunderstandings about God's grace in a moment. But I hope uh, what we talked about so far helps us to understand at least a little bit that. There's no inconsistency here. There's no inconsistency. No, they're not perfect, but are really any of us? Are any of us? You know, why, why is it that God doesn't immediately take my grace away or take his grace away from me the moment that I sin? There are some people that believe that, but uh, there's a great patience. And if we understand what Paul says here to the Corinthians of the, of the grace, and as we'll see in a moment again in the churches in Revelation, they have God's grace, even though they're not perfect. So at this point, we're going to take a break, uh, have our mid-roll, and we'll jump back in and talk about those churches. Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening today. Uh, we want to remind you to uh, like, subscribe, follow, do all the things on our social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube. I'd like for us to build those YouTube subscribers a little bit more, so... So yeah, go subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, and something else that you can do to really help us and reach more people is leave a review. Uh, whether it's on Facebook or on iTunes, uh, leave a review. Uh, and, and what that does is it automatically generates a little bit more reach for us to uh, encourage others. And so please do those things. Uh, we want to thank the Ministry League for partnering with us and sharing our, our content. Um, we hope that you will download the Ministry League app and take advantage of all the resources that they have. Um, and we hope also that you will uh, join our Patreon. Uh, we love our patrons. Uh, we are thankful for their support. Uh, and by becoming a patron, you are able to help us reach more people. Uh, and you get a lot of extra other content too. Uh, we are doing videos live videos throughout the week on there. Um, I've lost track of how many videos that are available there now. Uh, and so uh, please check that out. Uh, again, consider all of these things um, as you listen and uh, hope that you enjoy the rest of this episode. All right, so we are back and... <laughs>
we want to talk about the Corinthian church still and sort of offer some comparisons with uh, some of the churches in Revelation. And we may not go over all of these, uh, but particularly I'm going to we're going to jump out and pick the one that I was thinking of first. Uh, we're going to talk about that one first. And in Revelation chapter two, uh, we read about the church of Ephesus. And I love that, you know, Jesus does this thing where he talks about these little miniature uh, lessons for uh, all these individual churches. And maybe I won't get too into it, but I, I don't want us to look at these isolated from the main uh, message of the whole book of Revelation, which is this encouragement in Christ that he's the victor. Um, and I think that when we talk about God's grace, uh, we have to have Jesus in the forefront. He is the victor and he's why we pursue him. He is why we pursue him. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, Ephesians, uh, not Ephesians, Revelation, uh, Revelation. Chapter, there you go. chapter two, verses two through five. Uh, Logan, could you read that for us? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you said you want verses two through five? Yeah. Okay. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. Verse three, I know you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you first had. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Okay. So there's a few things here about the church of Ephesus at this time. And Jesus starts out, it's kind of like when you give criticisms today, you say something good and then you tell them what they need to work on. And then you say something good again. And he does that in verse six. Uh, you also have this, you hate the, the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. <laughs> uh, so he, he sort of follows that format. Um, but yeah, he begins by saying, look at you, you're doing some good stuff. <laughs> I guess that's not how Jesus says it, but uh, <laughs> that's the Zach happy version. <laughs> but, there you go. Yeah. but he says, I, I see your toil. I see your works. And you don't put up with false teachings. And, you know, you are working hard. You, you have some good qualities that you are doing. But this I have against you. Jesus is against them in this particular area. That they've lost their first love. They need to return to those deeds of repentance that they did at first. Um, otherwise, he will come and remove the lampstand out of its place. So this is very interesting because in chapter one, we see Jesus, you know, this great, beautiful image of Jesus, and these lampstands are surrounding him. So the picture is that these churches are in the presence of Jesus. They have this fellowship with Jesus. And even though Jesus says, remember from where you have fallen, repent otherwise 
I'm going to remove my lampstand. So at this point, even though they had lost their first love or the love that they had at first, did they still have the grace of God? Yes. Yes, I believe so too. God hadn't, God hadn't removed them from his fellowship. So not yet. He said, I was going to. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, these other churches too, that have things wrong with them, you know, things that they need to work on. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's, that's crucial. Just because you have things that you need to work on, doesn't mean you shouldn't work on them. You should work on them, right? Correct. You need to try and, and be more like Jesus. You should have that desire to, to grow in wisdom and love and all of the fruit of the spirit. But Jesus had a patience with them that maybe we don't, we don't have with others. When somebody sins and, or they're engaged in some kind of sin, God still loves them and we should love them too. And not just immediately say, well, you're cut off. You know, it should be, it should be, we should be more patient about that because Jesus is with them, certainly. Well, I kind of alluded to that earlier and I just, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of ungraceful people uh, ungraceful. That, cl- that they, yeah, that claim uh, Christ. And it's like, you don't, uh, you don't get it <laughs> that you've already been offered more grace than you're even considering offering somebody else. Um, and it, that's, that's frustrating uh, and honestly, quite honestly, it's part of the reason I am no longer a full-time minister. Um, is this this in this uh, example? What's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, that that there's so much um, there's so much readiness to point the blame, um, and yeah. I think that's also a human thing. That if somebody else is worse than me, then I can't be that bad. And so it's a external thing. And if somebody else is, is not doing their job or if somebody else is worse than me, then, Hey, I'm good. As long as I'm not the worst person, but Jesus, but we fail to realize that everybody is that you are analyzed in a vacuum, that it's just you compared to Christ. So comparing yourself to other people is not only foolish, it's not only flawed, but you're not going to, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. The status quo is not the standard. Jesus is the standard. Yeah. Um, And yeah. And that's the, and that's why there's such a failure to offer grace is because we want, if if we can push other people down, then we look better by contrast. Yeah. Right. But I mean, there's this constant theme though, that like, we're not to tear others down. Yeah. We are to encourage and build up, you know, let no corrupting talk, you know, come from among you, but only that which builds up. Now that's, that's a scary passage almost. I mean, it's a, like only that which builds up that that's a challenge because we can be yeah. very negative and we can be very critical and hateful. Um, but that's that's not the way of Christ, even though they had and there's a lot of interpretation as to what that means, lost their first love. Um, but even so, Jesus hadn't removed that candlestick yet. 
he hadn't removed them from his sight. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't, we're not going to read these other ones, but, uh, I want to talk about Pergamum. Uh, they were actually entertaining some false teachers within their church. And Jesus does say that he's making plans to go against them. He's going to wage war against them. Like that's already been determined because it's unacceptable. But he's giving the church also time to repent of those things and to turn back. So it, even though this is happening in the church of Pergamum, God hasn't rejected them. I mean, and that's, that's crazy. Like false teachings. That's like, I mean, there's no tolerance for that. Absolutely. And I think throughout the new Testament, we can see there's a theme that there's absolutely no tolerance for false teaching, but Jesus didn't own the disown the church in Pergamum. And then Thyatira verses 19 through 22 talks about them tolerating this woman Jezebel who's leading these men into having sex with her. Uh, And God says that he's already pronounced judgment on her. She's going to be, she's going to be sick. And what's going to happen is that anyone who goes to her is, is also going to fall ill, but he gives them an opportunity to repent. It's, it's not look at your mistakes well, you lost it, and now my grace isn't given to you anymore. You, Because you've done this thing, sorry, it's over, and, and you don't have any hope anymore. There's an opportunity to, to make things right and to remain and live in that grace of God. It's not a one-instance thing. Yeah. Um, and this is a very elementary example, but I keep coming back to the parenthood example of this. Um, we have a color chart for my daughter in the kitchen. It's mm-hmm. prominently displayed. Anybody who comes to the house can see it. Uh, it's very evident. Sometimes she'll just run over to it because mm-hmm. she's to check what color she's on. Now, pink is the top, I believe, because she's a girl. She likes, she wanted pink as the top, but red is the bottom. Yeah, she starts every day in the middle on green. Green is go. It's where you start. Um, it does not. It's not one action that gets her all the way down to red. Right. It is a multitude of actions that gets her down to red. It's a multitude of actions. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle change almost that gets us out of the grace of God. Yeah. Does she? Um, does she ever get down to red? Oh yes. <laughs> Um, we don't have that chart, but I know Graham would get to red too. Sometimes. Yes, no, she um, she's on blue at the moment. She's in there with my grandmother right now, so we'll see if she gets up to another color or goes back down. But um, but yeah, she'll she'll move up and down periodically throughout the day. Um, and if she gets to the top, she gets to open her treasure box and pick one treasure out. Um, if she gets down to red, orange is time out, and then red is like spanking and we got problems. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, but the, the interesting thing, and I, this is what I related to is that she can start, she can get a spanking when she's on yellow, mm-hmm. but when she finally falls to red is where things are bad. We can be punished without falling out of the grace of God. We can be, we can have those things that happen without having completely fallen away 
but it's a lifestyle for my daughter. It's a full day of choices that gets her down to red for us. It's a lifestyle change of choices that gets us out of the grace of God. Yeah. And, and that's actually what happens with Corinth too, Yeah, because they're not taking the Lord's supper the right way in, right. in chapter 11, he says, this is the reason why many of you are sick and dying. Yeah. And so they're getting, they're getting a punishment, even though God hasn't pulled the grace away from that church. Correct. Uh, so like, that's, that's pretty incredible. And that's a yeah. great example. I like how well, it's elementary kind of and it's obviously not, God doesn't see us on a color chart, but it's the basic premises is the same. Right. You know, another thing though, that, you know, you didn't have them, but Laodicea also comes to my mind. Um, you know, they're, Christ calls them lukewarm, but you're just in the middle. Um, and that's, that's not going to cut it either. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. That's, that's not, he doesn't, I don't, I don't believe he talks about taking their lampstand away, but basically being the status quo. And that's kind of what we talked about. Just having yeah. everybody be worse than you doesn't make you good. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there, there is no license at all in scripture to be apathetic about we're to be jealous, but we're not jealous. We're to be zealous. zealous. We're to be zealous about God. So there's no license at all to be apathetic or, you know, idle or to just be, eh, I'm just so, so about my faith. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's you know. kind of what we talked about with, uh, with some of our, the attitudes. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Yeah. So to sort of, I guess, start wrapping up, uh, this episode, I'd like for us to kind of talk about some misunderstandings about God's grace. Definitely. And um, I think maybe one of the reasons why we have a misunderstanding of it is because we forget God's desire for us. Does he want us to live our lives in anxiety and feel like we're walking on eggshells around him? Or does he desire that we have peace? Contentment, assurance. You know, God desires that we have those things, right. even to the point that in 1 John, he says, when your heart condemns you, God's love is greater than your heart. But when you feel like you've messed up and you feel like you're unforgivable, God is even above that and he forgives you. Um, I mean, but does God want to create a lifestyle for us where we feel like we are constantly walking on eggshells, like we're walking on thin ice everywhere that we go? Uh, is that a healthy way of living? Huh. I can't. No, and, and that's, I mean, no, it, it, it's totally, uh, no, there's just, it's not, that's not what God wants for us, first of all, but it's not what, um, Walking that way and living that way, we don't fully dive into who we are as a Christian because then you then you're following and you're robotically doing the right things because you're afraid, which there is a fear of God that we need to have, but it's not about the heart, it's about the action. And we so that's God has specifically designed a system to not have that. Yeah. Now we should understand about and maybe we've talked about this some and we, uh, but we just need to reemphasize this point. God's kindness towards us is given to us for repentance. Like there's a reason behind why God is kind to us. Right. We see that in Romans, uh, Romans chapter two and verse four, you know, he says, do you not know that God's kindness is meant so that you would repent of your sins? 
I mean, it's, it's pretty like laid out there. Like Mm -hmm. you're created a new in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians chapter uh, two and verse 20, I believe that is. And God's grace is meant to train us. It's, It's not just, here you go. And that's it. Have a, have a good day. I've given you my grace as a gift. And so you have nothing to worry about now. That's, that's not, that's not at all what scripture teaches. And I do want us to read this passage uh, just because it's just so great. It's one of my favorite passages. I feel like, because it's just a bunch of different things all added together to kind of summarize a great thing about God's grace and our zeal and our faithfulness and it just like it pulls it all together. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Uh, I love this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Everyone can have it, anyone can have it. Instructing us. There it is. There's something that this grace, that this salvation does. It instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself up to redeem us from every lawlessly deed, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Um, This is incredible. God's grace is given to you. And that grace is instructed. It's given to train you, to instruct you into the ways of God. So that... God can purify himself, this special, holy people that are in him. And it's like there's this sanctification process that takes place that God is doing in us as we move in the direction of him. And why do we move in the direction of him? Because of God. <laughs> I mean, it's like God, God cleanses us and he perfects us. He perfects us, right? He sanctifies us because we desire him. And we desire him because of, of his grace. It's like, it's, it's just a wonderful, very concise way of showing, look, this is what faithfulness really is. And the faithfulness is a result of God because of what God has done. Exactly. So that's the grace. God's done it. The, the power is in him. Um, it's he that trains us. And that training takes place through his work. I mean, so so much of this, I mean, all of it really is on God. It's just our decision about whether to have faith and to move toward him or not. So mm-hmm. that's it's incredible. The grace yeah. is not an excuse for sin. Romans chapter six, you know. Yes. That's we, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So should we sin so that grace may abound? No. But God's gift of grace is also not gained at all by merit. Yeah. And it's a, uh, yeah, there, there's, I, I always come back to the analogy of 
holding God's hand. And I, you just imagine him reaching down to you and you have to reach back up to him to grab that grace, grab salvation, whatever you word you want to put in there. But God never stops. There's nothing I can do to make God reach further. There's nothing I do to God pulls back a little bit. God's hand is right there and it's not moving. I have to choose how far am I willing to reach up to grab his hand? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, you know, just, just because I do something more or less, he's not going to come get me further. He's not going to pull back and say, all right, come on, keep coming, keep coming. It's, not, it's, I can't, he does not do anything. I can't do anything to make him move. I can only reach out and grab his hand. Um, yeah. so grace does not move, uh, is the point you make there with Romans, um, but also, should we sin that grace may abound? No, may it never be. Because the more I sin, God's again, God's not going to extend more grace just because I sinned more. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think that that's the point to be made with all that. There's, yeah. there's no amount of grace that can't save you. But hold on, did I say that right? there's there is enough grace to save you but you have to go and meet god halfway i guess i don't know there there's a lot of of wiggle room in that analogy yeah with the hands and trying to reach up to god but true and i think i feel like that's that's the best one i've ever come up with yeah and i i agree i think that's a great analogy and there's this there's a balance that has to be understood um and i think that that's kind of where we meet in the biblical sense of what grace really is because paul paul talks about like i i condition my body and like i i have to practice self-control and i i train myself and then he talks about in second timothy about like i've run the race i've mm-hmm. finished the fight you know it takes effort for us to to take that hand and reach up and grab a hold of god uh, you know, it's, it's not just like, it's not like God says, all right, here, there's, here's a bunch of get out of hell free cards. And I'm just, I'm just going to be raining this down on you, uh, because of what Jesus has done. And you just pick up that, that card and say, well, Hey, I don't have to worry about anything now. Uh, because, you know, the Hebrew writer said in chapter 12, you run the race with endurance. You set aside every weight. You lay aside your sins that clings to you. You you put that off. There's a repentance that we have. To, and so we strive. We run that race. It's not it's not a sprint. It's it's not a leisurely walk either. Uh, but it's a race, and we have to do this. But at the same time, Romans chapter eleven and verse six talking about particularly the the salvation given to the Gentiles, he says, is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. So there's a balance in understanding, look, this grace is freely given. You don't earn it. But what you do with that grace is very, very important. Because if we just have this idea that, well, since I have grace and just do whatever I want now, then we're going to fall from it. We're going yeah. to reject it. 
does it mean that we're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, but we are to continue in God's grace. And I think that's a phrase that comes up in the Bible too. Uh, several times. Yeah. You continue in God's grace. Um, and so I feel like this has been a really helpful discussion for me. Uh, and uh, I hope it has been for y'all too. Logan, you have any other thoughts on, on this? Man, I, I, I don't just that. Uh, well, I guess I do if I say I just that, but um, you know, there's, there's this grace and uh, you know, we see the church, we go back to go back to the church in Corinth. And I guess my final thought would be that there's no, there's no depth that even if you fall from grace, you can't come back from or be that no matter how, if you've never had grace that you can't get to God. Um, I think that that's important to remember. And the second thing, and the thing that I will hammer home until the day that I die is that Jesus is our measuring stick, not every other people. Right. <laughs> and I think we have said that, but failed to apply that in modern Christianity. Right. The looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, we look to him. He's the standard. And, uh, and I say that about everyone because there's also this narrative and it's not said, it's a silent narrative that ministers, elders, even deacons sometimes that they're just kind of up here and they're a little closer to grace than everybody else. But that's so far from the truth. It's not even funny. And those are the men who fail to, who fail because they, they don't always self-reflect. They're always reflecting on other people and they're failing to self-reflect. Um, so I don't, Zach, maybe that's not something you struggle with. I hope it's not. If it is self-reflect, no, I think I you're think good we at self-reflecting. We all probably do that. We all of probably. All, of, all the, of all the ministers I know, Zach's one of the best at self-reflecting. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 and I'm speaking from experience that, self-reflection this is about self-reflection this episode has been about you and god a lot of episodes and most of our episodes i think is about us and our, our relationship with other people and god this episode's about us and god yeah but anyway right that's that's i i'll leave it at that <laughs> okay i think that's a great place to, to leave it off you can clean up my my comments if you want <laughs> <laughs> no no i think they're good um yeah, we've talked about a lot today, and there's so much more that we can really get into. Uh, maybe in addition to diving into some of the Enneagram stuff on our Patreon, we may talk about grace a little bit too. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I do want to thank everyone for watching. I do want to remind everyone before uh, we get into our closing prayer to stick around for our servant spotlight. Uh, Logan's got something for us. So uh, let's close with a prayer. Um, Logan, and then you can uh, tell us all about that. All right, let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for today, and I'm so thankful for Zach and his love for you, and I pray that you be with this, this episode, but also the rest of this podcast. Thank you for uh, all of our VIP people who are listening today, and I pray that you be with uh, all of them. Lord, I'm thankful for everyone who supports this podcast, whether financially or verbally or even just in their prayers. Lord, please be with us and keep us safe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So today on Servant Spotlight, um, it's kind of been a long week for me. 
Um, and maybe this is a little self-serving. I don't know if this servant listens to the podcast, um, but I'm going to actually call out my sister um, as the servant spotlight. This week we had, I think it was Wednesday. It might have been, thir- it was Thursday. We had a really big um, crisis <laughs> in my family here. My grandmother was having some really big moving issues. And um, it was stuff that she she was a little bit much for her and she needed help. And so I was I, I had to leave work and help. But my sister was right there the whole time. And she didn't have to be. There was not a whole lot she could do other than emotional support. But she was there and she was very emotionally supportive for myself and for my grandmother. Um, she didn't have to be there. She didn't have to take the time. There was, there was nothing that her presence added other than emotional support. And I think that that is some of the biggest emotional supporting you can do. Uh, she and her husband are actually getting ready to move to Tennessee. And so I'm going to miss them a lot. But uh, there's my servant spotlight. Uh, maybe self-serving, but whatever. She's, I, I wanted to, to mention her and uh, appreciate her in a public way. So thanks for watching.